Hi, I'm Quark. And I'm Mel. <laughs> I'm Ramon. And you're listening to Endless. We have a special um, episode today. We have Maria Ressa and Ramona Diaz, who are the people behind and in front of the camera when it came to when it comes to a thousand cuts, which is a a recently released documentary. What? Why? Why come back after after the way uh, the the country has treated you? What draws you here? I, I have a love hate relationship with that country. I missed <laughs> it, you know, when I'm away, and then I go back, and then at first it's like a nice romance, right? And then two weeks in, it's like, oh, it's the boyfriend you broke up with, and and then all the reasons why you broke up, right? It's like, oh, I remember why I broke up. But I still love it. I, I have very, very good friends there still. My closest friends are still from people I grew up with, right? Um, yeah, so this is this love-hate. And I think, I always say that every film I make is sort of this yearning for, for the motherland. It's sort of a yearning always, every time I make a film about it. Um, I'll always go back, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I both love it and hate it at the same time. You know, But I miss it when I'm gone for... Uh, a long time. I usually go back like once a year, twice a year. I mean, last year I lived there. Mm-hmm. I was there for most of last year, right? When did I? When did we shoot this? Yeah, for most of last year I was there. <laughs> I was in the U.S. I, I was in Manila. Yeah. yeah, I miss it. Right now I miss it. You know, I don't know if I can go back. Can I go back, Maria? It's your fault. Mm-hmm. I'm like persona uh, when she says love hate, you know, I, we say the same thing. It's love hate, except that she made the she chose kind of like my sister. My, you know, she chose to live in the states. Uh, I chose to live here, but you know, uh, every time I spend time in the Philippines. So number one is I thought when I turned forty, I was going to choose home, and I foolishly or rightfully chose the Philippines, and that's when I came back. Uh, I, that's why I decided to come back. I, I went to ABS-CBN and then on and on, right? Uh, Probe was my, my rappler when, when I was in my 20s. So that was, and, and always, inevitably, every time I come home, our country exhausts me. It does its best to take 150% of my energy. Uh, but why come home? Because this is home. I think that's the first. And then the second thing is, the great promise, you know, uh, I know so many good Filipinos and we're, we're incredible. And somehow you've, we have heard this from forever, talangkaan mentality, we do our best to shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, this time around, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to think about this, but I do know whatever it is, whatever is happening, whatever rubble we are standing on that this time will determine the future of your kids, Mel, the future of the Philippines, the future of what democracy means. And I guess that brings it back to like um, every generation creates the democracy it deserves. Mm. Wow. (laughs) I'd I'd like to ask about um, how you guys got Mocha and Bata to participate in the video because I know how hard it is to get those two, especially if it's a quote-unquote Dilawan project or show. And I was very, very transparent to be clear. I was transparent. They knew I was, um, I mean, Maria knew I was filming Mocha and, and Bato uh, and they knew I was filming Mocha, right? They would be very curious about so what's Mocha up to? Where did you sh- where did you film her? Were you just in New York with her, or is it just very interesting? Um, I think because um, <clears throat> uh, my, you know, I told them I really wanted to know what they were about, right? Because everyone otherwise, if you're left in caricatures, it, it's not helpful, right? If you can just dismiss people as caricatures, I think it's helpful to really know everyone's own story, and that to me is is interesting. Like to me. Um, and that's why I love what you said about the film, um, Quark, that it's really about people who somehow love the country in their different ways. Because Mocha truly believes in Duterte because she has this personal history of her father having been assassinated and, 
and Bato owes his life and career to the president. He would kill for the president, like he says. He says that. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. does. And he has. And also, they love, they love the camera, right? They're performers, right? Especially Mocha, right? She's a performer. And, um, and Bato actually uh, watched Imelda, the film Imelda, and he liked Imelda. He liked it. So he said, ah, okay. You know, so um, he said yes. Of course, as. Um, uh, uh, more and more, we're spending time with with Maria. Then, of course, that got less and less the access, especially when Moko was losing. Right? She knew she was losing. She don't. She didn't want to lose in front of the camera. You know, because Same really, face. what what happened was the party really abandoned her. Right? I mean, she did not get party support, so she she knew she was gonna lose. It was very obvious. So, um, but we still managed. You know. Like I, I'm dogged. Like I just show up. Like I pretend that she didn't say no. So I'm just like I'm here, and sometimes she couldn't say no, right? Because we were there already, and also with, with yeah, with Bato as well. Until his wife found out. Can I? Say <laughs> um, now that the film oh, is out, though. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, Roman, did no. you? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, um, and also in the craziness of the campaign, you forget we're there. Because we were get, given special permission to film HNP, like Sarah's party, right? We were we had those badges that we can go backstage um, and stuff. Have they seen the film? And have you heard from them since? Um, I know they've seen the film because they. Uh, I know Mocha's people have seen the film because they're talking about it, right? They're and they're positively they're, or negatively. Oh, negative. Negative. Really? I thought she was portrayed in a yeah, yeah, positive. I understood her after the, the movie. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting because I treat Mocha very fairly, but because they see it as pro Maria as opposed to also kind to Mocha. No, they see it as completely uh, pro Maria, and they can't see beyond that, which is interesting right. for me. I, I hear uh, Bato has seen it. Bongo's people have seen it for sure because at some point Bongo was in the film and he and then we took him out because it was hard to. Uh, oh, too many that characters. would have been interesting. Yeah, too many characters. So I've heard they've seen it, and you know, um, yeah, they've seen it. Oh wow, um, see Pia, I, I remember I, I heard somewhere that Pia Raniada kind of felt um, guilty because. Uh, her profiles of Duterte were were actually positive while he was running. Like they, they were the most interesting of the of the candidates. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. Is and and then of course the you know that that helped in, in getting him elected. Um, um, is that true? And and kind of when when did the the Rappler um, narrative on Duterte really focus on the EJK uh, or, or or turn turn around basically? what depended on their actions. Mm -hmm. We never actually, so this is the, the part where I think the government in a way maybe did, a, did me a service by arresting me and getting rid of these kinds of false narratives. Yeah, look, I think the government, uh, let, me, let me phrase it this way. Pia covered Duterte, the candidate, because he was a candidate. Uh, we covered, you know, I think we were the only news group that covered the meeting, the Avance, all five of them. All five live, and we put them all live. Uh, Duterte certainly got a, a, a boost from Rappler because he was the only candidate to show up at our uh, presidential and vice presidential debate. They were the only ones, and that was actually, ironically, that was done in conjunction with PTV, with with the government stations, because they were one of our partners. So they were that was nationwide in television and all the radio stations of the government and other other news groups that were partners of ours. Um, there was nothing personal in all of this. And for Pia, I think President Duterte, when he became president, uh, okay, he, he, you know, during the campaign, Pia fell in a ditch. This was like the night before we found out the results. She fell in a ditch because there was such a mad crush. And Duterte stopped his car and picked her up and brought her to the hospital. And he wow. treated her very fairly because she treated him very fairly. But I think his expectations were wrong in the sense that he felt that was loyalty. You know, we're not, in that sense, we're mm -hmm. very Western. You know, mm -hmm. we do our jobs. It's not personal. Mm -hmm. I still have great respect for the office of the presidency, regardless of what 
the man Duterte does because the president is the head of this country. And it even when he attacks me, I try very hard not to attack in a demeaning way uh, because of the office. So there are certain lines that we draw. And I think he expected Pia, some, it was one of the presidential spokesmen said this, he, he treated Pia like his granddaughter and she betrayed him. That's not true because mm -hmm. number one, she's not his granddaughter. Number two, she's a journalist. Our job is to hold power to account. And because we do that, that is mandated in the constitution. Uh, there's a certain distance. It's, it's, the, it's one of the reasons I decided to come home to the Philippines, because I always had felt for a very long time, un, like I had no roots anywhere, because everywhere I fly into a country, you step back and you just tell the story. This is a very uncomfortable because we are the story. That was one of the things. Ramona and I debate about this all the time. And I did my darndest to bring Ramona into the film. <laughs> um, because, but you know, anyway, sorry, I'm going all over the place. But the, the response is that I think that President Duterte is as a man of his times. He's, you know, he has his... His biases and his values are of his times. He is one of the things I hit all the time is he's sexist at best. He's misogynist at worst. Um, and all of these infuse his ideas about the press. Those infuse the way he deals with the press. I think it lacks respect for what we do. Maybe he is used to, you know, in the film, a government official says you buy the media. Well, you can't buy rapper. And that's part of you know, that's where it becomes a cultural clash because I will say I've worked a long time and Probe was one of the times where we took a stand. We were, I think we were among the first in the Philippines to take a stand against what we then called envelopmental journalism. And <clears throat> when I was heading ABS-CBN, I took a zero tolerance approach to corruption. <clears throat> we fired people who we found evidence of corruption and in Rattler. We set it up from scratch. We hired the people that we wanted to be here. And there, I can say there is zero corruption in Rappler. Do you think that if Rappler was a, a male-dominated or male-run organization, then the, this present administration would give you guys more respect or treat you differently? Because I know the film highlights uh, the <coughs> fact that Rappler is, is women-led. Yeah. And even the, yeah. I don't know. I mean, all I can say is that because we're 63% women and because the leadership is women. And, you know, what's nice is that we make the decisions immediately and we discuss, uh, we call ourselves the manangs, which Ramona gets, you know, and then the, whatever it is, each one of the four of us is, is in charge of different parts of the organization. And part of why we're able to move fast is because we pretty much individually, we are aligned in values, aligned in strategic goals. And so we each make decisions. And that's kind of what I want to filter through the organization. As long as we're clear on what the North Star is, the decision should be made at the lowest possible level. Would the president treat us differently? I, I hard to say because we are who we are and he is who he is. I don't think it's a coincidence that the the women who have stood up against him have been hammered. I never set out to stand up against him. I am doing nothing differently from what I've done in Probe, in CNN, in ABS-CBN, you know. So I feel like, uh, I guess if the president expects us to be intimidated, then he didn't know the founders or he didn't know Rappler. Uh, what makes us different is that no business, no big business backs us. We have no other business interests. We're poor. <laughs> poor in the sense that it's us. It's us, mm. right? And we control Rappler. And that's the irony of it. It's like, talk about a turn, an upside down world. This is independent. It's the true epitome of an independent news group. We set it up precisely because we don't want any kind of... Uh, we don't want any vested interests and we have no other businesses. So I think that's why we're able to push back immediately. I was talking to Chai about this, you know, in January 2018, when the SEC gave us a shutdown order, we called a press conference, me and Chai. We had no lawyers there. And then it was only afterwards we realized, oh, my God, maybe we should have called the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I love the lawyer, by the way. He's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> the scenes. Um, 
Well, one one of the things you touched upon in the do- documentary uh, that I think people really latched onto were the um, was the information about the disinformation networks. Um, is there a way to safeguard ourselves against this? I mean, it's it's so prevalent, and then I guess um, also, especially when the documentary came out, um, it, it's really weird. I mean, um, I I'm also I'm, I'm very vocal about what's happening, right? And I notice that trolls. They, they stick to certain themes, but my theme of the day. Um, and then when, when uh, A Thousand Cuts came out, they, after a while, they were focusing on the Louis Beltran, Cory Aquino. Yes, yes. <laughs> like that, that's what they were. Uh, so, um, that was the copy-paste message of the day. Yeah. That, <laughs> so, yeah, is there hope against um, the disinformation net- networks? Things uh, just seem to be getting worse and worse, I think, uh, when it comes to that. I, I think uh, from when I started, right, last year, it seemed to be hopeless, right? Because I think I, I just saw all trolls. I think what's different now is a lot more coming out to defend press freedom and to defend Maria because I, the attacks on her are very, very personal, right? It's really horrific. But there are more defenders now. Last year, there were none. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are people? But now they're, they're coming out. There are more defenders, I think, lately that I've seen than, than past, than even last month, than even like pre-pandemic. Something's happening. I think because you're, you guys are in lockdown, uh, they're, they're, they're online more and they're seeing how crazy it is right i mean the narratives coming out of the trolls there's really no narrative right it's just one line and then they just keep repeating it there's no discussion really and i think that's very evident when you're in front of your computer because that's all because you're in lockdown right people i think have time to think about it more that's why there are more defenders than ever before don't you think maria i think that there are more people defending you or I think there are more Filipinos afraid of the end of democracy, and I am a byproduct of it. Look, um, you guys, you know, for us, these exponential attacks on social media began in 2016. I think we were the first, my friends in the States always say we were the first globally. The the propaganda war series, I wrote two of the three, right? The first one was weaponization of the internet. The second is how Facebook algorithms impact democracy. And then the third is manufactured consent, how when enough people say it, even if they're fake accounts, real people get infected. Like think about this as a virus, and then real people get infected. And all the studies show that once your cognitive bias, once your mind is made up, it's much harder to change your mind. I'm a victim of this because when I came to the Philippines, my my reputation is was very good because my track record was there, you know. Um, and now I watch it torn apart, pretty much powerless to do anything because this is in Facebook's hands. But the reality is Facebook, these social media platforms are behavioral modification systems. That's the reality. And then what we do is we we, we put all our data in, we put all of our posts to connect to everyone else and then machine learning and artificial intelligence takes it out finds the patterns and then because it knows us more intimately than we know ourselves it sells our most vulnerable moment to any message it could be paid for by an advertiser it could be paid for by a government sells that vulnerable moment to us to change our behavior right that is insane And this is part of the reason that even though propaganda has been around since the very beginning of mankind, we would call it politics, you know, even though that's the case, this technology has never been around like this. Um, So, sorry, it's so long, right? But it's to explain the context of what I live under. Uh, And so think about it like this. In 2016, there was a seeded narrative. Maria Ressa is a criminal, not a journalist. Seeded on social media, repeated a million times over four years. And then four years later, this insidious attack, which by the way, in 2017 and 2018 is repeated by government officials. So it's bottom up and then top down. And now there's a court, the Montessa court, that says Maria Ressa is a criminal. Does it change the facts? No, I'm not a criminal. 
But will it sway people? Mm, there's a narrative now that a lot of people have, have believed. So where do I go for justice? Where do I go for justice in this world? <laughs> One of my favorite quotes in the, in the film is when you said, Maria, data is plutonium. So this is like modern warfare. Yeah. It is. And it is, you know, I've been pointing this out uh, for four years. I feel like Cassandra, you know, running around going, oh, my God, you're being manipulated. We are being manipulated with our own taxes. Right. Um, so, no, in, in that sense. Oh, Ramona talked about getting access to the other side. One of the points where I thought, OK, this woman is OK, is exactly how transparent she was about it. It's. Not very Filipino in that sense, because this was one of the things I grappled with when I came back to the Philippines. I like straight out honesty, brutal honesty, because that is the best thing you can do. That's how we work. You know, that's how my colleagues and I work. Whatever is the worst case, you say it out. You say it. It's on target. So then this way, you figure it out together. Um, in, in our world today with social media, here's the kicker. It's not just happening in the Philippines. Look at the United States and all of the racial, it's like erupted open because the Mueller report has actually documented that these disinformation networks, Russian disinformation, has targeted Americans and that one of the fissure lines of society that they broke open is Black Lives Matter. So unchecked over four years, is it any surprise that this is where America is today. Same thing. Actually, the same parallel thing is happening in the Philippines and the United States. Our institutions have just collapsed. So, hey. Wow. So that, that was seeded. Uh, that was one of the things that um, the Russians seeded. Uh, wow. Yes. And you can I can send you, you know, the links to it. But the Mueller report lays it out. The Senate intelligence, the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee had hearings. They released the data in December of 2018. In fact, when they released the data, what we did in Rapplers, we took our disinformation networks and found links to that. Right. So mm. every country has its own because power wants power. It's like a terrorist and, network. Yes, thank wow. you, Mel. That's exactly my framework. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Crazy. Um, uh, this is Ramon, by the way, the, the young George Clooney over here. <laughs> Hello, young George Clooney. <laughs> um, and uh, he has a. Uh, we, we have some questions from our um, from our listeners um, and and our Facebook group, um, and he has some questions of his own. So, um, Ramon, are we live? Uh, no, no, we're not live though. Oh, okay. But, uh, but um, people sent in their questions um, a few days ago. Uh, well, yesterday. Go, Go Ramon. Um, I wanted to ask first, Ramona, how you came uh, how you came across the uh, what ends up as the structure of the film running the election parallel with the coverage of of Maria. Um, yeah. So when I think in 2018, when I sort of moved to the Philippines to find the story. And then it was clear to me who the characters were. I needed to figure out what they were going to do in the film, right? And then to me, the backdrop of the midterm elections is perfect because they'd be out and about. I know what elections are like. They're kinetic, right? And also very cinematic, right? Because it's full of song and dance and, and, uh, and movement. So I, I like what I call containers to my film because I hate shooting forever. Otherwise, I'd be shooting forever. I wouldn't know when to stop. So if I <laughs> have a container in my film, I know when to begin, when to end. And maybe, of course, we didn't end when we ended. There's still always going to be something. But I know principal photography is like from February through March, through May. So it's clear in my head. Um and um, and it's true, right? right? Cause uh, it gave such beautiful context. And of course things happened. I mean, Maria was arrested the day after campaigning began. I couldn't have written it any better, right? I mean, unfortunate for you, Maria, that you were arrested, <laughs> but it happened as campaigning began and then Maria gets arrested and then arrested again. And then she becomes time 100. And then, you know, it was crazy. Sometimes you get lucky, right? You can't write it. It's like, wow, things are happening as they should. Unfortunately, again, you worry. But, you know, uh, it just it, it just worked out. 
I love the framing device. And that, that uh, leads so, to sorry, another... I just wanted to sorry. say I really love the framing device, by the way, of the Duterte interview, the, the, the pre-election... Um, uh, because because it was such a it felt like Frost Nixon I guess um, that, that that you'd always cut back to it and then before it felt like innocent times yeah before the proverbial <laughs> shit hit the fan right so I I, no, I just wanted to share that I really I really love that okay take it away Roman <laughs> uh, no just as a follow up noise was there ever any occasion where you wish you had like more units would would things happen simultaneously with the election for example where you're there and then something happens to maria or vice versa so um we had two units um so one was always um with maria and uh, so it was always uh in the same dp with gabriel because maria also got to know gabriel really well and that was that was key um so uh mm. and then there were there's another unit to cover mocha and bato and all that but you're, you're always going to miss something Right. But you can't cry over it. You can cry over it for like five minutes and then you have to move on. And then you even forget now what you missed. But with Maria, we had a dedicated, um, really, we had a dedicated crew to be with Maria, whether she wanted it or not. Whether something. I mean, really, there were times when I was like, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good segue for me because actually my next question is for Maria, and that is, as a journalist, now you're you're used to um, investigating things and attacking the story, but becoming the subject yourself, how much of an adjustment was that for you? And follow up to Ramon, one of my favorite parts of the film was seeing Maria um, with her sisters and family. So I want to know what Maria is like outside of the public eye. A geek. I'm a nerd, <laughs> you know. Um, I hated it. I really, I these times are are uncomfortable for me because I I would prefer to be writing a book. I would prefer to be doing the story. That's why we set up Rappler, right? But at the same time, I also feel like I've been to the gym to prepare all my life for this moment, which is why I'm not going to buckle. I don't get bullied well. I mean, when I was a kid and I walked into a public school in New Jersey, I knew what it was like to be around bullies. I knew the fear people have when they see someone being bullied and they don't want to jump in because then they'll be the targets, right? Almost everything that is happening in the Philippines today, we all learned when we were much younger how to deal with bullies. So I go back to stuff like that. I go back to the lessons I learned when I was young. It's very fundamental. Um, and in terms of, I just accept it. I accept where we are. But I also know that the reason why we can't drop the ball, we can't drop the baton. I, I, I always say, look, I really hate that this baton, I came of age at a time when it requires so much sacrifice to do the job well. So I can't drop it too much at stake. But um, if I have to fight for journalists, for our rights, I'm ready for it. I don't have any doubts of who I am and why I do what I do. It's clear in my head, and that's the first step. As a George Clooney fan, a longtime Clooney fan, <laughs> what was meeting him like? Is he mabango? Is he guapo in person? <laughs> So, you know, I haven't asked them if I could tell you, but I think they'll be okay with this. The very, very first time I met them was also the very, very first time I had to embrace my fear about going to jail, right? Because uh, this was April last year, April 2019. So they, the first time I met them was, uh, Ramona was there. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, the first time I met them was the launch of Trial Watch, which is the Clooney Foundation's court monitors all around the world. They asked me to to uh, be in a panel with Jason Rezaian, the Washington Post reporter who was jailed in Iran for 544 days. And then on my, my right side was Mohammed Fami, who was jailed in Egypt for like, again, hundreds of days. Uh, after we did that, they asked, we met in like an office upstairs and the couple are, are really just stunning. I mean, people should not be that beautiful. <laughs> They're stunning as a couple. And then uh, I walked into the office. I think it was the dean's office at Columbia Law School. And, uh, and then the two of them come in with Amal's mom, who also, by the way, is a journalist, right? So 
uh, George's dad is a journalist, so this is this is their tie to journalism. They walk into the office and they start pushing everyone out of the office. So it's just going to be the the three of us. And um, and and then an an assistant said, you know, wait, let me make you coffee. George looks at the coffee machine and he, he it's a Nespresso machine, and he said, I'll make the coffee. <laughs> I'll make the coffee. Um, and guess what? Like as soon as everyone is out. Amal takes the dean's chair, sits down, and then just starts laying it all out. Like the smartest thing I have, a, a way of thinking about what I'm going through. Because at that point, it was all disparate attacks. And then she was just like, this is what's going to happen. This is go- what's going to happen next. And this is because at that point, she was negotiating for the release of the Myanmar, the journalists, the Reuters journalists in Myanmar. And she told me at that point that, you know, there are different tactics that would work, but I expect that that they are going to be released within two weeks. I was like, well, wait, like all of the official pronouncements are that they're not moving. And she was like, no. And then George jumps in after he makes us coffee. So here's my coffee care of George <laughs> Clooney. Right. Um, he's he and he the first thing he says is safety, journalist safety. He goes right through it. So. The, the couple, they're a power couple in so many more ways. But I think one of the things that's most important to me is that they come at journalism and freedom of speech and freedom of expression in visceral ways because it's in their history. It's in their history as people. They, their parents were journalists and they're very aware of the toll it's taking. Um, uh, there was one point we all talked about Jamal Khashoggi. Right. And they were both deeply involved in that in different ways. And uh, and then they gave me advice. Oh, here's the last part about Amal, because at that point she wasn't my counsel yet. Um, She said, look, trial watch is prepared to be your court monitors. But if if that's the case, then I'll have to step back because it'll be I will have to judge the the legal process. And she said, or I could be your counsel. I could be your lawyer. I would have to study all of the cases. She asked me how many. At that point, there were 11. <laughs> wow. um, and then we have to like, we'll have to figure out, uh, you know, can I, how, how can I be your advocate? And I was like, is that even a choice? Is it a choice between being my lawyer or not? So that she left me with that. She asked me a question. How do you want me involved? And uh, I had deep respect for the couple. The funny thing is that, uh, it goes also, they care beyond professional, right? Like um, there's one point I, I got out at the airport in Doha and there's this billboard of George. So I took a I took a, 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 a snap of it and then I sent it to Amal and, you know, she said, we'll always be watching over you. I mean, like how crazy is that, right? <laughs> That's it. And now all the trolls are attacking her. I see now. <laughs> they have their own. I will say they both because because Amal. And here's another thing that George actually said the last time we were all together. Um, that was this year. Right. So the last time we were all together, George, George actually was asking for a vacation spot where Amal would not get involved in human rights. <laughs> like she just said, she because I apparently everywhere they go on vacation in the beach, Amal always asks somebody whether it's a woman who is selling something, you know, what this situation is like, and then inevitably she picks up a cause. So I think that's part of who they are, and that is incredible. That reminds me that actually it helps bolster my faith in the goodness of human nature. Mm. Wow. Sorry, I have one last note for Maria. Uh, Basically, when that period where it was available here and more Filipinos could watch it for a certain amount of time. No, I, I was curious, uh, what was the most surprising feedback for you, Maria? Or, and um, also if there was any feedback that became particularly food for thought. Uh, I'm thinking here because some people were, um, well, I guess, wondering if you maybe had any regrets about what happened in the or depicted in the documentary i you know i know ramona will have a lot of inputs on this one but for me uh, what was surprising is that people were surprised that meant we weren't looking right death by a thousand cuts is precisely that and you know when i said that when i first said that uh i was talking about 
terrorism again. Remember, I studied terrorism, right? And uh, that is the strategy of Al-Qaeda. Death by a thousand cuts. And their timetable is centuries, not the soundbite moment. So that's kind of the way I feel about, that's, that's the government's approach. It is death by a thousand cuts. And you look away and you think, oh, well, that's a minor, it's just a paper cut. But if you have millions of paper cuts, not only the pain will be overwhelming and you will begin to bleed out. And I think we're already critical. We're, we're in the ICU, especially with the anti-terror bill about to be a law. Um, uh, would, I have no regrets. I think that's also the certainty I stand on. Um, I have always lived my life in a way that, you know, I you have to know who you are and why you do what you do. And so much of who I am was was shaped by journalism. You know, Probe in my 20s is is an incredible teacher. Uh, Probe in my 20s in the, the 1980s of the Philippines was an incredible teacher. And, um, and so I haven't, I've never really had to think hard about responses to things the government has done, you know, um, because I know we're on the right side of history. Uh, am I being naive or foolish? Um, I suppose if you take a short-term approach, yes. But you know, ethics are not situational. Values are not situational. And just for that alone, because it's so clear in my head, in that sense, I'm glad that I was the one attacked. And you know what? I will do my darndest to make sure to protect the people of Rappler. I'd rather they attack me because I'm ready for it. Maria, yeah. uh, we know you have to go pretty soon. And Ramona, please stay if you can, just, yeah. even if it's just an extra 10 minutes. But Maria, what, what message do you have for future journalists out there living in these times where journalism is like a frontline job and it's, it's a dangerous time for, for media people? I've always felt journalism is a frontline job, right? And now the question I always ask, not just journalists, but Filipinos, Americans, anyone who lives in a democracy, the question every one of us has to ask is, what are you willing to sacrifice for the truth, right? Because truth doesn't come to you magically. Truth is, a, is the byproduct of facts. And then you come to your own truth, right? So what are you willing to sacrifice? When truth is under attack globally, when facts are debatable, when a lie told a million times and a lie laced with anger and hate, right? So it spreads fastest. When, that's, when that becomes the norm, uh, you have to really think. And I think that's, Ramona hinted about that, that, uh, that, that Filipinos are more circumspect because we're under lockdown. That's great, that's great. We are at the precipice. Our generation, my generation, you guys, we will lose our democracy because we don't care, or because we're afraid, or because a million other reasons, we don't have jobs, the economy will contract. But we have a lot more at stake for your children. Um, we're standing on the rubble of the old world, and we have to create what the new world is, and that is the challenge. And this is why I think it's an incredibly amazing time to be a journalist. Imagine, when I became a journalist, I would make coffee for other journalists, right? Today, when you become a journalist, you will help create the world you want, right? So think about it in your head. Um, think about the world you wanna live in, the kind of government you wanna have. These are all up, at, up in the air right now. And I think um, that's an opportunity. As much as it is an attack, it's an opportunity and we should grab that. Otherwise, if we don't do enough, we really do deserve the government we get. That is beautiful. Thank you so much, Maria. I thought for a minute there you were saying, when I was a journalist, I was making coffee for other journalists, and now George Clooney makes me coffee. <laughs> I know. George Clooney's coffee for me. Thank you, Thank so, you much, so much, Maria. Maria. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, for Ramona. Nice to see you again. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, Maria. Bye. <laughs> okay, Ramona, we have a we have a bunch of. See, I had a year of that. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, God. We actually have a... a uh, uh, sorry? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, it's really... Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we still have a bunch of questions never, for Ramona. I never leave the room early because they talk about you, right? Always stay. Um, we do have a bunch of questions from uh, from our uh, listeners. Um, John Arby asks, why did they focus on Samira Gutok out of all the Ocho Derecho candidates? Was it a deliberate choice? Uh, Big Mish was the one really speaking up against the president, right? Everyone else was sort of circling around it, but she would name him, right? And I love that she's um, she's a woman and she would really like say, no, that's bastos, right? You cannot talk about your penis because that's wrong. No one else was saying that, you know, it was only Samira. And I thought that was really interesting that it was a woman who was, who was taking him on that way. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I just found it really interesting as well as, you know, I, I, I wish I had a bigger part, right? I, I mean, we, we filmed her for long periods of time too. I mean, I can make a film about Bato, Mocha, Samira separately, <laughs> and I'd still have films, right? I, I can have a series here, but, um, um, yeah, that's why I chose her because she was really speaking out against the president in in such forceful ways that the others were not really. Would you be open, by the way, to uh, to actually making if someone if someone said, you know what, I see so much footage here, and I think we can make a series where you focus on each of these people? Um, would you be open to that? Not really, because I did. <laughs> I didn't think of it as a series, right? I really, I really, you know, when you when you shoot, you sh you have the format in mind. At least I do. Like I shoot for two hours, yeah. like a, a standalone film. And you know, if I were shooting for a series, I think I would shoot differently. Mm. Right? I don't have enough really of Samira. I think I do. Maybe a short, maybe maybe a twenty minute or thirty minute. Or I do also, but of 30 minutes. But, you know, once it was so obvious that Maria was a real, she, you know, she emerged as a main character, as a protagonist. And uh, there was more effort to, like, get to know her family, her sisters, her parents, her that. Because, you know, Maria has never been, um, she's not used to being the story, right? So she's very, in the back, and in a way, unknowable, right? I mean... Some of the reactions I got from last weekend was like, oh, Maria's sisters. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> she breathes. She talks. She's, you know. She's a human. Uh, because I think you, you, you guys have known her for a long time, but she's a knowable because she's a journalist. She's never part of the story. Suddenly, she's like there with her sisters, right? So, um, but that took effort because I knew that I needed to draw her out that way and her sisters were i love her sisters right in a way they're really different from her is that what super different they're so kikai i love them <laughs> super kikai all of that yeah both her sisters yeah. is that why you chose to include that yeah the, that gown scene and the and the high school reunion and um the, the, yeah. because to, to more humanize maria for sure. Yeah, right? It's a way to uh, talk about her without her having to talk about herself. Got it. Right? I mean, um, I mean, obviously, she's not going to wear that gown. I could have told and, and, <laughs> Come on, man. I can tell you that. But it was so amazing. We actually did go to rent the runway, right? And it was the funniest thing because we were trying. We, we, we went, like, spontaneously, right? So we, we didn't have time to really ask permission to film. So we're trying to film on the sly, right? Like, but it wasn't working. And I, I point to Maria, okay, Mary Jane will ask you to, we'll ask you to, you know, try on that outfit, try on that outfit. And it was right. I was spot on every time. It was the funniest. Like, okay, next is that outfit, right? <laughs> and of course they were like impossible outfits that should, should never wear them. But um, yeah, so we were there and ran to runway. We actually went to run the it. runway. <laughs> Okay. Um, any other questions from the Facebook group? Um, ah, here, there's, there's one. Uh, Jason Tan asks, uh, why do you think Duterte still has such an incredibly high approval rating? I don't know that he does, you know. I mean, I think part of it is, uh, is disinformation yeah, and bots and stuff. Fabricated you know what the real story is, right? 
yeah, I don't know what the real numbers are. And um, I think in those surveys too, they're, they're, they happen in the privacy of your home, right? Are you really going to say you're anti-Duterte if you're like, <laughs> right? If you're, if you're in the house and someone comes and as, is doing a survey for the government, right? Especially if you're afraid. Um, I don't think so. So I don't know what the real numbers are. I, I, it's not clear to me how popular he is really. But in the beginning, I could see why. Mm. Right. Because he came along as this outsider who was really going to I mean, also because the promises of the revolution failed. I mean, you know, the there was so much about the people power revolution that never came to fruition. All the promises. And I, I think when he came along, he became he was like this outsider. Yes, it's revenge. Right. He's going to revenge you more than, you know, uh, more than anything else. He spoke the, the language of the streets, whatever that is, but he, he did. And I think he was something new and fresh. Even Maria says he was fresh, right? Because he did say, yeah, I've killed people or I'm going to kill you. And he did it. <laughs> but I think that freshness was, was, I think, attractive to a point, right? Then after a while, it's like, oh, so tiring. So I don't know what the real numbers are. I don't know if that's real, Um yeah, I don't know where, where it is, but I can see that traction for we've always been attracted to strong men, mm. right? Kind of leadership or leader who's going to just take over and make it all right for everyone. <laughs> I think there's an attraction for that even now. Yeah, here and in the U.S., both of your countries are are screwed. <laughs> yeah, both of, both of the places I call home are really screwed. <laughs> we are so... Not good, yeah. Ramona, what's next after a thousand cuts? Um, I am actually. Um, I was going to do fiction after Motherland. You know, um, I was ready to do fiction, and then Duterte became president, and you're like, oh my god, I have to make a film about Duterte. So, which I'm glad I did. It was the right thing to do, and um, um, I do it all over again. But I was. Uh, after Motherland, I was going to take a residency, actually. I was um, scheduled to do a residency to write my first fiction film. Um, so Imelda, um, the rights to remake it have been uh, purchased by um, Kira Sedgwick's production oh, company, wow. Big Mouth. And so I'm writing it. For, uh, it's with them. I'm co-writing it. And so that's next, hopefully. Oh, I love Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> that's Mel knows. Well, right, with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. They're very cool. They're a very cool couple. Um, yeah, so that's what's next, hopefully. Cool. Um, okay, Yosu de Erkiaga asks um, that, um, could you have uh, included the information about uh, judgment as a spouse being appointed as an RTC Makati judge and uh, Wilfredo King's daughter being appointed to the Philippine Commission on Women in September? Was that something that you could have touched on or was it too early? Deliberately left out. Yeah, no, yeah, it was to be on the purview mm. of the film. You know, there's so many things that you can't write. It's like a thesis. You have to stick to a story, yeah. right? And any, yeah. any way you go will sort of destroy the balance. It has to be balanced. Like even the drug war, right? This is not a film about the drug war. I only use the drug war as a device. It's really a narrative device to talk about disinformation and to talk about impunity, but it's just a device and it's so hard because the drug war can easily um, hijack the film, right? Because it's such a horrific story. So how, we really had to figure out how much does the audience have to know just enough to care, right? And to let us into the story of impunity and disinformation. Because if, if it's about the drug war, there are already a couple films about the drug war. Watch those films. Yeah. Right? True, true. Um, okay, uh, and uh, I guess, uh, uh, Mel, did you have any questions? Oh, I wanted to ask Ramona, what have you been watching recently? <gasps> what, me? Yeah. Uh, 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 oh gosh, Shit's Creek. I love Shit's Creek, right? Awesome. Um, have you seen it? It's no, it's not available on oh Netflix God. here. Uh, it's crazy, no? but, but it, it is, is there. Quark. Right? It is? We have, huh? yeah. No, 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 you have VPN, Mel. <laughs> But it's not. Isn't it not? In the uh, not oh, that's not right. available. Yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can I just tell you a story? Okay. So when we, we released a film, right, uh, uh, last 
week. And then, of course, it, there are some piracy involved, right? There are some pirated links. They were actually sharing it on the film's Facebook page, <laughs> right? People would be like, I'm available. I hear, here it is. I'm like, guys, you are on our Facebook page. You shouldn't be sharing that. So it's really clear to me that there is no, very little sense of copyright infringement yes. in the Philippines, right? Because <laughs> they didn't think twice about it. They thought it was like still us putting it out there. We're like, no, that's no longer us. It's no longer our, our channel. It's no longer, it's like this generic YouTube link. So it's just really funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Shit's Creek. Um, what else am I watching? I'm watching old. I I I I um I subscribed to, to the Criterion Channel. Uh huh. Because I watching, yeah. you know, I'm still going back to the canon and watching all that, and also showing it to my daughter who loves it. Love it. So I love it that she loves it. You know. Wow. Uh, uh, we recently watched the Apu trilogy all over again. That's heavy. Uh, uh, <laughs> My Nila just came out in Criterion, yeah. which is really so beautiful um, in the Claws of Neon um, or Sa Kukunang um, That's it, Shits Creek. What else am I watching? Um, uh, that's it. I'm revisiting last year's um, documentaries that I never got to, you know, some of them, because uh, I get screeners, right? I'm revisiting them. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm reading, I'm reading a lot too. I read more than I watch, actually. Hey. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what are you reading? Um, what did I just finish? I just finished the one on um, um, Ocean Vong. On this earth, we're briefly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Beautiful book. Um, I am starting um, uh, the one on the drug war. The gosh, uh, the what is the name? The Red Book. Written by uh, the patrons, the patron saint of something. I'm just starting that. Um, I just, I, I'm also in the middle of Gia Tolentino's uh, book on essays. You know, she has a book of essays. I really like her. She's got into trouble recently, but Why? I really like her. Um, oh, there's a whole controversy about her parents. What? Twitter. Look it up. Oh, oh no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah. Sidebar then. Yeah, yeah, sidebar, sidebar. So, but I really love her writing, right? I think she, she's like, she's a really good writer. So I'm reading her book of essays. I finally read uh, the two of Maria, the, the books Maria wrote. I never read it. So she's always been, you haven't read my book, you haven't read my book. Finally, I read it. <laughs> um, uh, D- Dina Nayeri's uh, uh, refugee book. What is the title? Um the refugee problem, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank- so different kinds of things. Uh, uh, can I ask about the film? When when will we be able to yeah. watch it again legally? Because a lot of people weren't able to catch it on that uh, time period. watch it legally. It's really so not good. No, no, legally, um, yeah. Okay, so we are, we are out in theaters here. We're out in cinemas here August 7th, I think, in the U.S. And we are trying to... Um, simultaneous re- release in the Philippines, right? So we're trying to figure okay. out what that's going to look like. We don't know, right? Because no theater is going to open, I'm told, until next year. What about is any right? streaming mm-hmm. platform like Netflix or Hulu or whatever? Yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out in the Philippines. Okay. So how are we going to release it there as we release it here? So it's the same time, August 7th year and August 7th. In the, in, we're hoping, we're hoping. We, we don't know yet how it's going to look like, what platform. But that's the plan. About Motherland? I've, I've ver- been wanting to watch Motherland. I can't find it anywhere here. Really? It's on Canopy. Canopy, okay. Or Amazon Prime. Prime. Oh. It's on Prime. Okay. It's on Prime. Okay, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I ask about the version that you showed now? Because because the files has festival version, and then I'm assuming that the the other one will be uh, for PBS. And how different are they? So uh, we are we actually cut it down already. It's now 98 minutes. So the theatrical version is going to be so. The festival version is different from theatrical. The theatrical is 98 minutes, which is 22 minutes shorter. Mm, okay. So it has. Um, but what we're going to release in the Philippines is a two hours, because there, um, it was interesting. Thing, you know, some of the things often quoted from the two hours, we are already cut down. So, yeah, right? They tell me, 
Oh, remember, I love this scene, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, aye, we cut it down. <laughs> oh, this scene is really, oh no, we cut it down. So we realized all the things that were not landing here, people there got it, like Cayetano. Cayetano has never been an issue here. I mean, no one really got it because people thought, oh yeah, that's what happens in the Philippines. You buy, uh, you, you, you buy interviews. But there, people were like, oh, my God, Cayetano, what are you doing? Uh, you know, when he says, you know, you can buy interviews and stuff. So there were certain things that never really landed, you know, when we showed it here, that were landing so loudly in the Philippines. I said, we have to show. So we're re releasing this um, this version, the two-hour version in the Philippines. Ramona, last question before you go. So the film kind of leaves people, well, like me, I, I felt very hopeless and bleak after. I'm sure that was not your intention. What is your, what do you want people to take away from the film after watching it? You know, I'm not, I'm not very um, prescriptive when it comes to my films. I don't think of films as bearers of messages. I think, I think my, my, my job as a filmmaker, and I always say this is to give you an experience to give you like walk in someone's shoes or immersively put you in some time and place. In this case, the Philippines during elections and Maria's travails, right? So that was, that was the intention. Uh, whatever you feel coming out of it is like, because I think messages are always affected by personal lived experiences, right? Where you're coming from. So I think it's very hard to have a, uh, to have a, message i don't think of it that way but I, I i think i see it as hopeful you know i mean i wanted to end it on the christmas on christmas right because and when she says love right i mean because that's so maria right i wanted to end on a very optimistic note because i wanted to mir mirror maria she's always optimistic right it's amazing where she gets her optimism yeah the hope is that people really I don't know. You know, okay, what was what really was surprising to me about the weekend streaming it? You know, my job, because I produce it here, I make films about the Philippines, but I produce it here, right? I always see um, what I do is I sort of try to decode and unpack what's happening in the Philippines for really a Western audience, for a global audience. That's what I do. So I know most of my films, when they show in the Philippines, they are like, ah, we know that now. Ah, we've seen that. Yeah, it's nothing new. I think what surprised me this time is that um, it was sort of new, right? But these were not all things that were hidden. It was, it was I mean, what happens in my film happened out in the open, right? The arrests of Maria and everything else. So it surprised me that people were very sad about the situation. Like somehow they just became woke, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was something about it that was deep, deep sadness, like a regret that they um, took their eyes off the ball, that something was getting lost that they really fought for for a very long time. Yeah. I sometimes go, I, I shift, I say they and us, you know, I, I mean, depending, because I feel yeah. both. But um, yeah, so that surprised me. Yeah, because I think it's a like, step huh? back. It. I think it's now suddenly, yeah. like like Maria said, there were a thousand cuts, but suddenly you see the big picture and it's like, oh, okay, that's where all those small um, actions have been leading. And, and the, you know, you, you kind of showed that big picture. You took that step back and, and said, well, <laughs> you know, we've been dealing with this every day. You know, anti even that week we were dealing with anti-terror bill, and the week before we were dealing with ABS, and suddenly you're like, this is where it led, right? So, um, thank you for. Yeah, that. I think it was just like really the timing. You know, ABS, anti-terror bill. It was also Independence Day. People tried to protest, but they were, you know, shut down by the by the police. By the time they went home, we went live. Right. We couldn't have planned it that way. And then it just caught fire, really, because we didn't really tell anyone we were doing it. I mean, we, it took us like I think we planned it for three days. I mean, it was a very last minute decision. And every all the stakeholders said, yeah, it's the right thing to do. And we, I said, we cannot put it behind a paywall because we can't. It's so opportunistic to do that. Right. We should just yeah. give it for, for 24 hours. Um, and we didn't really. We didn't tell anyone. I just told like Viber groups and Facebook and we thought, okay, if it's going to hit, 
some people will watch it, but we didn't expect. Yeah. I mean, Frontline was shocked. They're like, who's watching in the middle of the night, right? I mean, the numbers would go up and up and up, and they noticed, okay, so it's 12 midnight there, it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and the numbers would still go up. They're like, what the heck? Why? Why are they up? Why are they watching? They want to watch horror. <laughs> I guess. It's the witching hour, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Ramona. Thanks, Ramona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, fun. This is super fun. Yeah. And then thank thank you for making that movie. It really it truly, you know, hit home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope more people see yeah. it. Uh, for sure. And and, we're finally out and and do tell us. We'll 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 help you get the word out when when Oh for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna be releasing the um the trailer in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that'll be like, you know how they release trailers these days? They're um, exclusive on Variety or Hollywood Reporter. It's going to be exclusive somewhere, and then it's going to be out. I'll let you guys know. Awesome. All right. Have a good Yay. night. And thank you again. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. So that was our interview with Maria Ressa and Ramona Diaz. Again, just keep uh, watching out for updates about when A Thousand Cuts will be re-shown again in the Philippines. Hopefully it's, it's, it's sooner than we think it's going to be. Um, and don't forget to join our Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash group slash Enslate for more fun. Um, where can we realized, find you, Cork? Oh, go. I just, no, I just realized we never um, plugged our Twitter. <laughs> So that's EnslatePod, at EnslatePod. That is our Twitter. Um, On Twitter, handle. yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Enslate at OnlyFans. But yeah, I hope this episode will keep the fires burning. And don't forget, Junk Terror Bill and um, hold the line. Defend press freedom, everyone. All right. See you guys. Go! Bye. <laughs>